Thanks for joining us on Beyond the Sermon, the podcast of First Methodist Church in Collingswood, New Jersey. The goal of our podcast is not just to share our sermons, but to go beyond the sermon and to have conversations about what we're learning and what God is doing in us and in our community. The sermon you're about to listen to comes from our 2023 sermon series, Exalted, Living in Light of the Ascension of Jesus. You can find more information about our church at fumccollingswood.org. Thanks for listening. Well, this morning, you know, we've been talking about ascension for the last, uh, I guess this is the fourth week now, but uh, today is actually Ascension Sunday. So we've been getting ready, we've finally arrived at Ascension Sunday, and uh, I think it's been neat to think over these last few weeks about what it means that Jesus is exalted, but not just exalted, but in the midst of his exaltation, he's reigning and he's interceding for us. He is victorious on our behalf. Today we're gonna look at what it means that Jesus is exalted and he's still incarnate. In the scripture reading that Aaron just read for us, we heard about how 40 days after the resurrection, after appearing to many people and sharing with many of them, showing himself and and convincing his followers that he was truly raised, he was truly alive, even though he had been dead and buried, Jesus ascended into heaven. And we use the language of ascension, first of all, because it's the language that scripture uses, but also because Acts tells us that Jesus was taken up before their very eyes until he was hid by a cloud. But when we're speaking about Jesus's ascension, We're not really talking in in geospatial terms, right? We don't believe that heaven is somehow beyond our atmosphere or or way out beyond outer space, right? We're we're talking about Jesus's return to the realm of heaven. And we don't really have effective language to talk about what that looks like and to talk about that heavenly realm. But, but there is a sense in which, even if it's not higher than our earthly realm, it's superior in some way. It's beyond in some way. And so Jesus returned to heaven, but he told his followers to stay there in Jerusalem, he told them to stay until the Holy Spirit that he had promised to give them had come upon them. And and we're not gonna talk about that today because we're gonna talk about it next week on Pentecost Sunday. And we'll talk more about that relationship between Jesus's ascension and the coming of the Holy Spirit. But even as Jesus is telling his followers what is going to happen, His followers, remember, some of whom had been with him for the last three years, walking with him, talking with him. Day by day, they had seen the miracles. They had heard the the lessons and the parables and the sermons. They had talked with him privately, one-on-one. Even after three years, they show how much 
They still don't understand about what Jesus was doing, what he was trying to tell them. And so they ask him, oh, Jesus, is now the time when you're going to restore the kingdom of Israel? Is now the time you're gonna do what we thought the Messiah was gonna do all along? Is this when you're going to throw off our oppressors? Is this when we'll finally be free from these Romans who have been lording it over us? I could almost imagine Jesus shaking his head, taking a deep breath. Kind of like when your kids ask you for the seven millionth time what the plan is for tomorrow or whatever their question of the day is. I can just see him shaking his head and saying, that's not for you to know. That's not for you to know. Really, guys? Are we still stuck on this? That's not for you to know. But here's what you can know, Jesus tells him. The spirit is going to come, and when the spirit comes, he's going to give you power. Not the kind of power that throws off Roman oppressors, but power to be my witnesses like I always intended for you to be. To tell the world about who I am and what I've done. To sh- and you're going to share that testimony. The Holy Spirit's going to give you power to share that testimony everywhere. Here in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and all the way to the very ends of the earth. And then he's taken up into heaven. And his followers are left standing there, staring up at the clouds until two guys dressed in white show up and they say, at least in the Scott Rambo version, what you guys looking at? What do you see up there? He's gonna come back someday, but that day is not today. And as I was thinking about this story here in the first chapter of Acts and these followers staring up into heaven, I was reminded of the story of Stephen. Stephen was one of those early leaders in the church. He wasn't one of the apostles, but as the church grew and and there was more ministry happening and the apostles felt that they needed to devote themselves to the teaching of the word of God and, and to prayer They appointed seven other people to serve the church, to take care of those who were in need, specifically the widows who were being ignored. And Stephen was one of these guys. He was one of these men who was appointed to be a deacon. And along the way, he started sharing the message of Jesus too because they just couldn't contain it. They wanted to share what they had seen and what they had heard and what God had done in their lives. So some people who didn't particularly care for the message of Jesus that Stephen was sharing, they go to the chief priest and they have him arrested. And he gets drugged before the chief priest and they say, you've got to stop preaching this 
Jesus guy. They're getting ready to have him flogged. They ask him, are these charges that these other people have brought against you true? And Stephen begins to tell this glorious story, beginning all the way from back at Abraham and Moses, the temple, about what God was doing and how Jesus was the Messiah who fulfilled all the promises of God. And they say, that's it. We've heard enough. And they pick up rocks and they begin to stone Stephen. He becomes the first martyr, the first person who gave their life for the good news about Jesus. And as he's standing there with a crowd of people around him, Acts 7, 54 says, when they're furious and gnashing their teeth at him, and then in verse 55, it says, but Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, that Holy Spirit that had been given on Pentecost, the Holy Spirit that had been given to make them powerful witnesses to Jesus. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. This Jesus who died and was rose again and was raised and ascended to heaven, the one that the disciples had stood there staring at the clouds. When Stephen was being stoned, he looked to heaven. He said, I see Jesus. I see the Son of God, Son of Man, standing at the right hand of God. I think it's significant that Stephen describes Jesus in this way. He calls him the Son of Man, which, which is a title that had been used throughout um, the Old Testament to describe the Messiah. But he didn't call him the son of God, which was another title that was used to describe Jesus. Two titles for two different natures, which were united in the incarnation of Jesus when God the son took on humanity to reclaim and redeem and renew and restore and reconcile us to God, saving us from the curse of sin and death. Steve Seaman says it this way. He says, the fact that the Son of Man is at God's right hand means that the perfect union with humanity, which had begun in the incarnation, continues in heaven and throughout eternity. You see, the same Jesus who was the incarnate God is the same Jesus who died and was raised to new life. And it's the same Jesus who ascended into heaven and was seated at the right hand of God. And what this means for us is that there is a human being, body and all, in the middle of the triune Godhead in heaven. 
And there's a sense in which there's a similarity with our bodies, right? That body that Jesus ascended into heaven with because Jesus took on our flesh and blood and all that it means to be a human. But there's also a difference because in his being raised to new life, he died and his natural body was buried. And when he was raised, he was still a human being, but he was a glorified human being. Being. And Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians 15 as, as like when you plant a seed in the ground and that seed grows into a new plant. He says in, in 1 Corinthians 15, beginning in verse 35, but someone will ask, how are the dead raised? What kind of body, with what kind of body will they come? How foolish. What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. When you sow, you do not plant the body that will be, but just a seed, perhaps of wheat or of something else. But God gives it a body as he has determined. And to each kind of seed, he gives its own body. And so like that plant that grows from a seed, It is the seed, right? But it's also something more than that seed, something different than that seed. But within that seed, it carries within it the potential for that plant, for that fruit, for more seeds. And so too, when Jesus was died and was raised, he didn't cease to be a human being, even though his natural body was buried in the tomb. He became more fully human, more of what humanity was meant to be and what we can become. You see, the ascension wasn't a tack on to the work that Jesus came to do in dying and rising again. It was the very culmination of that work. Because in Jesus's ascension, humanity itself was exalted into the realm of heaven, into the very presence of God. Charles Spurgeon said that it is, a sweet, it is sweet to remember that the exaltation of Christ in heaven is a represent, representative exaltation. His exaltation is our exaltation. He will give us to sit upon his throne even as he has overcome and is set down with his father on his throne. It is because Jesus ascended to heaven that we have hope that we too can ascend to heaven. The ascension is good news. The ascension is part of the gospel because it shows God's commitment to redeeming humanity in all of its fullness. The fall isn't the final word on what it means to be human. Disobedience and brokenness and sin are not our final destiny. We can be formed into the image of Christ and raised with him to heaven, 
to God's desire and plan to restore us to those creation purposes, our spirits, souls, and bodies. See, our ultimate hope isn't getting free from our physical bodies so we can live forever with God as spirits. Our ultimate hope is that we will be resurrected in our bodies, right? That in our glorified and spiritual bodies, we will reign with Christ in the new creation, in the new heaven and the new earth where all things will be remade, restored, and made new. So our humanity isn't something that needs to be rejected or cast off. Rather, we're called to embrace our humanness because God values our humanity highly enough to unite himself with it for eternity, exalting humanity to very heaven. So how could we ever value it less? This doesn't mean that we'll become God. That was the lie the serpent told us in the the garden. Eat the fruit and you will become like God. It doesn't mean that we're going to become God, but it also doesn't mean that we'll ever become free of the limitations and the qualifications, the imperfections that come from being human but we can gain a proper perspective of ourselves. Not viewing ourselves too highly or too lowly, but as those that Christ came to reclaim and restore and renew and redeem. This is proper humility. And that's what we need in order to see ourselves as God sees us. See, we're not yet what we will be one day when these perishable natural bodies are exchanged for glorious imperishable bodies. But Christ has assumed our humanity. He's redeemed it and restored it and exalted it. The exalted and incarnate one shows us what we can by his power become. And while we may still live with our limitations in these physical earthly bodies, we can begin to live today by the power of the Holy Spirit as God designed and desired for us to live. We can live as those who are called according to God's purposes. Because Christ has exalted our humanity, we can have hope that we too can be exalted. 